This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Right there is position of power. Wanted to put that track on real quick because that's what the NBA players are in right now. Good thing, bad thing. Stay tuned. Then not between sports and hate. Uh, I'm joined by no other than who? State your name, gangster. Floyd Buller. And we back in this full effect. We told y'all we was gonna be here to stay. We ain't going nowhere this time around. We here forever. No Cardi B voice because I'm a man. Stay with your chest. And um, off-season madness continues. No, this isn't part four, but damn, it sure feels like it. And um, Floyd, man, let, let, tell the people what happened recently. Just tell them what happened about a good 28 hours ago. Oh, man, I think they said Houston has lift off or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just, I don't know. I got, I, I got a message today on my phone, like, you know, the Amber Alert. And that, you know... Look, be on the lookout for another rocket ship landing in Houston and come to find out it's Russell Westbrook. Mm. So, uh, man, how can I say Chris Paul, man? So much love for you, but it seems like you're going to go out like Melo. Yeah. You know, I feel like you're going to go down like John Stockton, one of the greatest point guards ever stat-wise. No chance. wise but you'll never get a championship. But I think the Houston made the best move possible. And Westbrook to their team, it kind of guarantees them a chance to win right now. But they got to build the right talent around the team. If they don't, it was a waste of a trade. They could have just did the Miami trade. And uh, Russell, Westbrook would have been better off, I think, with Jimmy Butler. But I think, I think long term that he can play, if they can figure it out, he can play better with James Harden. James Harden's a better scorer. You know, it definitely is. I believe um would have been an easier route to the East. You definitely would have seen Russell Westbrook in the playoffs around maybe the 6th to 5th seed consistently for the next three years. Uh, would have definitely brought some relevancy back to um Miami because uh, South Beach looking mighty dry. Ain't no lines over there no more at the um <clears throat> at the bars. People getting drinks easy nowadays. So... Um, I actually like the Houston trade, though. They played together. Westbrook had one of his best passing seasons last season. I mean, not just those regular, let me drive to the lane, get triple team. I'm, I want to take it in, but at the last second, cop out pass. No, this man was a big part of George PG-13 MVP race. 
until that shoulder injury. So, um, and we've seen also that James Harden, he can pass too. Because remember, CP3 was hurt for a large portion of last season, which is why James Harden had to go on Rocky Fuel and go off for about a good four months. So, there are some, some very good pros to this. Um, the biggest con to me is D'Antoni. I've said this before. Especially the year when they lost the Golden State Warriors in Game 7 where they missed 28 three-pointers in a row that it was time for him to go. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, my fault. Go ahead, bro. No. Um, the next thing they need to do before the season starts is get him out of there. They have to either get him out of there or move him to be like an offensive coordinator. He can't be a head coach. Hell no. I mean, Hell no. He, he's basically going to run him to the ground. Both those guys in their mid-30s, they're not trying to do all the extra running no more, man. And also, you don't have shooters like that. You got Pat Bev. He's not a bomber. Westbrook, definitely not a bomber. And James Harden likes to shoot a lot of contested three-pointers to get the four-point play. If he you gets said, you said, hold, on, hold on, you said, you said Pat Bev. I think you may have uh, meant to say Austin Rivers maybe for the Pat Bev thing, but... Uh... You, you definitely got a few shooters. Oh, I'm bugging out. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking four years ago. Yeah, he's with the Clippers. I'm bugging. Yeah, Austin Rivers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Austin, though Austin Rivers played pretty good last year when CP3 was hurt. Um, He's more of a spot-up shooter. He's not a he's not a bomber either. And I don't think Houston should go that route no more where they're trying to get three-point shooters because Golden State is not the team to keep up with anymore. Yeah. The West is open. You, honestly, to me, Houston, I mean, even though a lot of teams are stacked up, as we can see, the Lakers, the Clippers, but Houston should say to themselves, you know what, we've been here for the last three seasons. We know the terrain. It's like a, a, a golfer going on his favorite court, or, um, excuse me, his favorite course, going to Augustus, going to Beth Page or something like that, knowing the terrain, knowing <clears throat> knowing how to hit the ball, you know, knowing the fairways, everything. They know everything about the West that these these new teams who have to build up chemistry and everything like that have to work on knowing the routes, knowing their maps, drawing it out, getting it around. I believe that Houston should be a fourth seed, honestly, believe it or not. I, mean, I could be wrong, but that's just my opinion. I think Houston should be a, a fourth seed coming the next season to the playoffs. I mean, we both know they're capable of it. I just think long-term, if they don't build a team the right way, I think they got the weakest team when it comes to the supporting cast. I'm not talking about the two people. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about supporting mm -hmm. cast. Mm -hmm. Eric Gordon's a great player, but Eric Gordon's damn near the same age as those. Mm-hmm. Gerald Green the same. I mean, you got to look at a lot of these teams. They got players that's above 30, and that's their main rotational guys. They don't have no yeah. mm -hmm. to do nothing for them. And they didn't fortify their bench, really. Like you said, this, as we saw, was a problem in Golden State when um, injury bug hits. Um, you need depth. And they don't really – well, here's the thing. They can't get depth because they don't have no money. You know, you picked up uh, Westbrook's contract. And let's not forget that they signed Capella to that huge contract, which I thought was a little bit more than what he deserved. But, hell, um, listen, if you want to pay a man that much money for grabbing alley-oops and playing sub-pop defense and getting rebounds when he feels like it, so be it. So be it. <laughs> you know, I think we could easily re replace um, 
Capella, I mean, we done seen guys like this all throughout the NBA, the Shomar Swift, the Tyrus Thomases, the Derek Favors of the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. This is my – I think they paid them a little too much. So, Houston's fucked right now because they can't afford to get depth. So, they're going to have to work with what they got. Um, Praise God, James Harden's been pretty healthy his whole career. The only issue I see is – um. Is Westbrook. Hopefully, he doesn't have no injuries. And you know what? Maybe he doesn't have to do as much. Maybe his motive won't have to click so hard because, you know what? He has another great score. So, that's what I'm saying. Like, there are a lot of pros to this dynamic duo right here. And I, I like this one. It's not my favorite, but I do like this one. And speaking of favorites, you got to give me a top three dynamic duos. After what has happened in this offseason with all these trades and everything, Please tell me, drum roll, please. Your top three dynamic duels, man. I think uh, number one to me is going to be Kawhi and Paul George. If they can stay healthy and learn how to play off each other defensively, that can be one of the greatest um, defensive teams we've ever seen in NBA history just based off those two players knowing how to play off each other. Um, other than that, I got... I like I, I I like Utah. You know, a lot of people are not paying attention to uh, the mentorship that Mike Conley is going to be able to give to Donovan Mitchell and help him improve his game. You know, helping him with shot taking ability and actually just IQ and shot when to make a good pass. Um, I, I feel like it it get out of. I feel like it'll get to the point of he won't be a superstar point guard per se. Mm-hmm. But he'll be a great floor general, even though he'll he's an undersized two guard. He I is. That, he's definitely a throwback two guard with his height, definitely. And I think that you know that's that's what's going to keep him relevant, but also show why, in my opinion, still I feel like he's the better player over Ben Simmons. I never changed my mind over that. I feel mm. like he, he should have won the rookie of the year, and he definitely long term I think is in a better situation than Ben. Ben got a lot of on his plate. Look at Donovan and not so much. And whatever Kawhi does, whatever <laughs> Mike Cully does, sorry, man. Whatever Mike Cully does is just going to make it's gonna make him look better. I mean, Mike Cully have a 20 and 10 game. It's going to make. Oh, yeah, definitely. Expect his assistant numbers to go up. Definitely. I agree with you on that. What do you got for number, number two? Uh, When it happens. I think KD and um, Kyrie is going to be bananas in the pick and roll. They both are great ball handlers. I think they both are great mid-range shooters. They know how to find those pockets to where you can take a screen and kind of chill with your inside shoulder, then find a spot. I think they're going to they gonna, um, do a lot of that. Just the dynamic of you don't always have to have um, the greatest surrounding cast to have a good team. I think having them two just offensively sound the way they are, they definitely both can put up at least 22 points a game. And mm-hmm. I like, I 22. <laughs> I say 22 because I'm, I'm just giving a bare minimum. I'm not, you know, I know, I know you being nice, man. You yeah. definitely. They're going to both average close to 25 points a game. Definitely. Um, And they have a great supporting cast. People aren't talking about the Brooklyn Nets being um one of the favorites to win because um no KD. But when KD comes back, they should be a number, damn near the top three, if not number one favorite, because 
they have Levert, they have Dinwiddie, they have Joe Harris. They have a great young supporting cast. They still have Jared Allen. I believe, yeah, Jared Allen. They still have good players who are very young. So I actually, I really like Brooklyn next, definitely next season. I believe they can make some noise this year too. Granted, on this is something I was talking to a friend of mine. So shout out to Nate, aka BK Finest. We were talking about Kyrie Irving. He, you know, and he likes the fact that hey, New York is relevant again. But I said, listen. We did see a few flaws in Kyrie. I, I hate to say it, but in Boston, he showed his leadership qualities are not the best. Yes, everybody leads differently, but there was no reason why the team did as poorly as they did because we were all saying to ourselves, for example, the year he was out and Boston went to the ECS, the, you know, the Eastern ECF, the Eastern Conference Finals, a lot of people were saying, Man, if only they had Kyrie. Man, if only they had Kyrie. Now you think to yourself, second year, uh, these these are fr these freshmen now coming into sophomores will be doing better. Uh, we got Kyrie. They just need that extra scorer. You know, not even talking about going Hayward really because um, we knew he was going to supposedly added bonus, but you didn't know because of that terrible injury. But you knew Kyrie was going to be the difference maker, and it really wasn't. And with the whole, you know. Calling, calling guys out over the media and things like that. And we both say he's a weird guy. He believes the earth is flat. Um, you can't bring that shit over here to New York, bro. Nah, that's, that's, that's not going to rock. Um, he's going to have to be the Kyrie that was in Cleveland. The Kyrie that was having fun. The Kyrie that was balling out of control. Um, not the Kyrie that we saw last season. I, um, I don't know about you, but as far as character-wise goes as a sports player. Um, yes, he still put up good numbers, but I thought Boston could have done better in the playoffs last year. That's just my opinion. Um, what's your thoughts on what I was just saying? Uh, I think when it comes down to Kyrie is a good player, but uh, I think last year a lot of people put a lot of the blame on him, and I, I, don't, I don't think that um, well, I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I'm reading just some more breaking news. John Wall is uh, headed to uh, Miami, possibly. They just removed him off of their team website officially, and they're right. saying they're saying that um, there's a three-team trade with Chris Paul and the Wizards and John Wall going to uh, Miami. You know, it was crazy because I was just watching ESPN a little before uh, we started this, and they were saying that Miami was interested in CP3 since they couldn't get Westbrook. Right now, I is this funny? There's three guards out there who've had injury play seasons. All three are very talented. All three are in their 30s, and all three have loaded contracts. This is crazy, and they're just being swapped around, really basically to see where can they fit best. That's just my opinion, but this is funny. This is great, but go ahead. This is good news. This is juicy, but that's they going to grow. Um, I, like I was saying, I think that uh, Kyrie is gonna be able to with that system in Brooklyn. I think it's they're gonna be able to uh, a lot of have a lot of schemes for him in places that he normally will have to yell at people because he didn't have people in certain spots. I think it's gonna flow a little bit easier. I think with him coming to a new team, they're gonna accept that he is one of the superstars and that we need him. Yeah, true that. But I also think uh, long term. Just with Kevin Durant being there, he'll have somebody that he can always like go to and talk to about things, and get things clear. A lot of stuff on his on his shoulders, and it wasn't anybody but Al.
go to and talk to about what was going on um, as far as the locker room and with that team. I just think that, you know, it's, it's a lot of overhype of just about last year, just a bad team, bad mm-hmm. roster that they put together for the starting five. And when it came down to it, I think that's the reason that he got out of there because he just felt like he had no uh, where the roster was going and who would be on the floor with him, who he can trust, who he knew would be there in crunch times. You know, he's seen it. He's seen it a lot in the um, series against uh, the Bucks. He just looked frustrated. You know, he felt like you know just throwing shots up. And I think the reason that that happened is because he didn't believe. Well, not to say that it's the team's fault. It's I think it's equally. Oh, it was the hat by Brad Stevens, too. Don't let's not get it twisted. Brad yeah, Stevens. That's, that's why I said the, 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 the way the roster was set up. But I think it was I think it was everybody's fault. I don't think it was just like one person's fault. It was everybody's fault. Because if you got a problem, you gotta try to fix it. You gotta communicate it. But see, then that comes down to um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was their leader and um on the team. When it gets into chaos and stuff like that, as the leader, you have to hold things together. And what Rozier was kind of commenting as Mark Morris, um, Boston Celtics was a was the Madagascar last season. Uh, that shit was a zoo. So, it, it, I mean, I do agree with you. It does go around, but somebody besides the coach, as the player, who's the leader there? And if Kyrie can come out and make comments and bash certain players and then apologize, that to me says right there he is the leader. And as the leader, you gotta hope you gotta get a grip on your team. Um, I do agree. I just don't think it was the right fit at all either. Boston was not a team that he really chose. I mean, even though it was on his list, a lot of people said that you know, hey, it's not a team he chose, but it was on his list. And um, he's at a place where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Brooklyn. So, uh, definitely, I do believe you will see a different Kyrie as far as on the court, but as far as locker room presence and um, being that team leader. Because you're going to have to be – but right now, he's going to have to take over captain responsibilities until KD can come back. So, I, you know, and that's another thing, too, I wanted to know. Um, when you watched the Nets last year – yeah, D'Angelo Russell was the man, but there was a lot of games where, especially before LeVert got hurt, and then after he still continued, he showed like he was looking like an alpha ready to take over the Brooklyn Nets, man. True or not, especially in the few game winners. Um, I'm a big LeVert fan. Don Madawa, Knicks fan, I got to say I do like LeVert. No bias, man. What do you think about him and Dinwiddie coming off the bench? Man, you talk about some great guys I have around you. That's some guys that's going to step up and get those baskets that – Jason Tatum wasn't willing to take in his second year. Those bad mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Brown has a adding to his game. Those guys will be ready to step in and knock down those shots. And I just think when it comes to it, they have a way deeper roster. You got Jared Allen. You got a lot of young guys on the team that are going to become decent role players. they together for at least five or six years. I can't say that they'll win the championship, but I could definitely see them getting the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Winning the oh, championship yeah. is going to be very hard. If you get back off, if the rank gets back to at least 90% of himself, then I, I'll start. I, I'll put them in conversations for winning the title, but we don't know what's really going to happen until he comes back. You know, um, I was watching first take. You know, I, even though some of these shows I really can't stand because of the bias on them and the favoritism, especially with a lot of 
former players that used to be teammates. You know, a lot of people just can't keep it real. But I try to filter out and I watch it because you know what? They are, they do have knowledge. So I do have to, I have to put on my Brita filter and I have to pour from it and I have to drink, you know? So as I'm listening and um, they asked the question about the uh, super teams and because Damian Lillard, did you hear his comments about it? When he um when he was talking about you know he wants to win in Portland and that you yeah, know Jordan mentality. I mean, I respect him. He'll grab it. And, and I, I respect that. And the thing I didn't like um actually I put it up on our, our Facebook was Shannon Sharp. You know um going ham. See, it's not a thing about disagreeing. It's just that he started you know kind of shitting on Dame's career, saying that. Well, Dame ain't never did this, or had this, blah, 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 or, you know, has he ever won MVP and things like that? And it's like, bro, you, why do you have to shrink another man to build another man up? I, I can't stand that. To me, that's the biggest form of being biased and just a hater. Dame Lillard, to me, is an incredible player. And to do this in Portland, to make Portland relevant, you know, and to stay there, I, I give him tremendous credit. Yeah, you know what? He could take a pay cut. And guess what? There are 32 NBA teams that would take Dame Lillard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If he said, I take a pay cut, they would be going crazy for him. Nobody would sit there and turn down D-Lil. Not out of this world. I just don't agree with and he and Shannon Sharp has done this a lot. Just definitely don't agree with shitting on another player to bring up one Kang James. Like it's not that serious, man. I actually don't believe Anthony Davis and LeBron James are because I didn't even hear you mention them. And I'm glad you said that in your top three. I don't believe they're a top three duel. I don't. One is hurt a lot, and the other one is going to the seventeenth year. You got to show me, Bama. I mean. I, Think they will do good? Yeah, a lot of people projecting 50 games. People project, I think it was, what, 56 games last year, some wild shit? They didn't get close to that. So before I predict anything on the Lakers, I need to see them after All-Star break, to be real with you, because, um, yeah, they, you anybody could look good before All-Star break. That's just my opinion. Any, you know, there's a lot of teams. It's weird. I mean, look, Sacramento was looking very good last year before the All-Star break. And even after All-Star break, just a little bit, but they could not keep it up, and they falter at the end. It happens. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't believe in L.A. Lakers. I think, I hate to say, a lot of a lot of bronze sexuals is uh, hyped about it, but I don't know, because the first knickknack to A.D., what's going to happen? Who's taking his spot? If A.D. gets hurt, who's taking his spot? And who's going to back that guy up? You know what I'm saying? Lakers are looking kind of kind of shaky, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying. That's just my... I, I don't know, man. Who would you think about Hollywood? I mean, Hollywood. I'm, I'm, I think they're going to pan out well. I don't think the regular season is going to show their full potential. They got to go into a six to seven game series in the playoffs. And that's going to show just how good that the two are playing together. I believe they'll be scary in a, in, a, in a playoff series. Hell yeah, believe it or not. And um, they'll be a good duo. They'll, I will say they will be the quickest to develop chemistry just because LeBron is an excellent passer. Right. So out of all the duos, they'll develop the chemistry quicker. It doesn't mean that'll make you the better better um duo. And people forget um, there's still some pretty decent duos already in the NBA that 
haven't been traded for, signed for. And um, two of them I can think of right now is, um, even though I know you're not a huge fan of him, but still NBA star, you got to mention Ben Simmons and Embiid, no? Hello? Say that one more time. Sorry, man. We lost him. I said, no, not again, no. I said, uh, we can mention Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as uh, a pair that has, that's been here for a while. Um, CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard is another pair that hasn't been traded for. There's a pair that we haven't seen yet that we will see for the first time, and that's Luca and Kristaps Porzingis. So there's some, there's a lot more pairs out there, and um, a lot of people are mentioning them. So we really won't see who is the best. It, 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 we're gonna keep an eye on all these pairs. Honestly, we're gonna do throughout the season who's been the highest scoring pair the best defensive pair, and the best all-around pair. So we definitely want to keep an eye out on all of these these pairs that are happening. Not peaches, not plums, but pairs. And that's what we're dealing with in this today's NBA. What do you think about Kristaps and Luka, man? Hype. <laughs> I think it's pure hype. I don't think Kristaps will ever amount to being the player that he was. Putting him in Dallas is going to make them play a half-court offense. Luka needs to I feel like Luca needs to learn how to score more than he's trying to pass. He will be a great player if he just accepts that he's not a small four, he's not a point guard. He's a good off two guard that can pass the ball. Yeah, very well. Yeah. Yeah, people trying to force him to play the three. He's not a three because he's not a defender. And mostly the uh small forward in the NBA. But on the floor if it's not the point guard, Luca needs to just upgrade his game, lose some weight, really get in yeah. shape. He definitely. He, he, he needs to lose at least like twelve pounds, get in shape, and nah, really, you know show show his speed, show his uh, versatility, and the same thing with uh Kristaps. Kristaps can't just be a back to the basket guy. He can't be somebody expecting always pop a three. He need to get back to running the ball, taking contact, getting and ones, spinning out guys, making good passes, and even uh being a great rim protector, knowing how to play in any situation. I, I, if they can do that. And I, I think that they'll be a team. They'll be in the same class as the Mike Conley and um, Donovan Mitchell class. But I still will give it over. I still will give it to Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley over them too, just because they're both young and there's no real um, big brother or veteran type of appeal that's happening with them too. Those guys are really kind of had the same type of life from coming overseas, different places overseas, playing ball, now being the NBA and everybody in your country looking at you as like the chosen one. You know, to make it to the NBA, nobody really does that. So, I think they can, they can be good, but I think that Mark Cuban will have to get better pieces around them for them to actually pan out all the way. Because there's a lot of people that I heard, you know, doing um, free agency and everything, but I didn't see them really making major pools. I believe they, they, they re-signed Seth Curry. He's a good shooter. I think he should start. Um, I think if he starts at the two-guard spot and you allow Luka to be like a point forward, I think they can help them out because if you got Luca at the three and you got Kristaps uh, playing the four, I think it just helps out better on that side of the floor. They can kind of control one side of the floor, keeping everybody else open and making the, the defense have to keep three people on watch um, to guard those two players just because ideally they can be in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a decent pair, so I said. And um, we're going to wrap this segment up, the pairs. And stay tuned after this commercial break. We'll be back 
We speak about a little bit of football with Sloyd Butler and uh, MMA recap. Definitely got to talk about UFC 239, which is one of my favorite. Uh, five second out. out. Stay tuned to Line Between Sports and 8. Charlie Brown, Sloyd Butler. We'll be back. Segment number two, part two, and I'm joined by a very special host here, one of the Holy Trinity from Talks with the Brodies podcast. Please state your name, gangster. What's up, man? This is my boy, this your boy, Kaz, one third of the Brodies. Here to school my lovely cousin on some some sports in Westbrook. They're here to show love and support. I love the podcast. So, just out here, man. Educate's a very strong word. I mean, I mean, you're gonna try. I mean, nowadays with um, Google knowing everything at Yahoo and all these search engines, you might just be able to keep up. I can find any. I can find any stuff in any article. Support my theory. Oh, okay, okay, Max hey, Kellerman. Oh, all right, all right. Go <laughs> And uh, please tell the folks, yo, a little bit about your podcast, Talks with the Brodies. So the Brodies podcast, what we do is three black millennials, Mr. Brown, Cass, and Draw. We just talk about everyday things from the, from our perspective. We're all around the similar same age vote, so it's, I believe the age difference is 34, 32, and 28, so you get... You kind of get it from each little era or generation, if you like to call it. Because even though we're similar in age, we still experience a lot of things differently. So mm-hmm. us talking about, we talk about the presidential race, talking about being young black men trying to deal with our mental health, talking about how to date and deal with women. Yeah, breaking up with yeah, everything, uh, you know, like real life testimonies, straight up. And it's said with jokes and facts, so it's not all as serious as it comes off. We say it in a joking but joking but serious way where you understand and get our points and there you have it folks and tell the people where they can find your podcast at so you guys can find the brodies on spotify apple podcast google play stitcher iHeartRadio, and we also have a facebook page at the brodies and we have a youtube page at the brodies where we upload our clips from our podcast you see, like, I got to step my game up. I, I definitely got to get that YouTube page popping. Ooh, that's a lot more work, though. But we're going to talk about that a little after the podcast. So <laughs> uh, let's talk about this NBA. You know, um, this offseason has been crazy. As I've been calling um, my last podcast, Offseason Madness. And um, it just continues, man. The, the epidemic just gets crazier and crazier. You know, previously, um, Houston still had a problem in Golden State. <laughs> that was oh, clever. That was yeah. clever. 
But with the acquisition of Westbrook, they got some new rocket fuel. So um, I'm I'm interested to see how this duo is going to do. And I know you're a Westbrook fan. And contrary to what you're saying, a lot of NBA former players, analysts, they disagree with you, man. They say um, this might not even be a great combination because of the ball dominance that both of these players are on the court. And the whole purpose of having CP3 you know, what's the balance that yin and yang. But what do you say to the people who say this is not going to be a good combination? This is not not at all. It's like chocolate and soda. It just doesn't taste good. That's what the people are telling me. Ah, I like your little one-liners. I ain't going to lie. They're, they're pretty I, good. I, I, I try. I try. Um, But, no, I mean, when you first heard the trade, like, you, I get what everybody's saying on paper because if you've seen how both plays have progressed over the last – since they departed from each other – both became ball and dominant in their own way. James Harden became who he was. Like he was like, "Oh shit, I can drop thirty a game. I'm that guy." Russell Westbrook, the Thunder, gave him the keys to the car and said, "We want you to be that guy." So they both kind of became ball and dominant in their own ways and solidified themselves. Russell triple doubles back to back to back. James Harden would drop in like it seemed like he was dropping fifty a night for like forty games in a row. <laughs> so, so it just they both established themselves, but. The reasons why I think it's going to work is because of outside factors of them growing up with each other. Because you play differently when you play with, like, your boy. Like, mm-hmm. They're boys, like, off the court, on the court. Like, don't get me wrong. Separately, they're going to do what they do. But together, it's going to be a different dynamic. And also, what I think nobody brings into play is that this is the first time that even though they're not, like, marksmen or the greatest shooters alive, this is the first time Russell Westbrook is actually going to have reliable three-point shooters with Austin Rivers, Gerald Green, Eric Gordon, James Harden. Like, this is the first time that he's ever going to have that in his career. So, his game, bring the ball up, slash, kick it out. Now, when you got actual shooters, you actually, the the, the defense actually has to make a choice. Am I going to go with Westbrook to the basket, or am I going to just stay at home and protect the, protect the, the three-point line? But mm-hmm. if you pick a choice, it's basically going to be pick your poison, because Westbrook is finishing at the line. And I think okay. him playing with Harden is going to somehow help his free throws. I don't know why. Because James Harden, next to Steph Curry, is probably the greatest free throw shooter ever, just the way that his percentage is every year, and he gets to the line so much. I feel like that could rub off and help Westbrook as well. So, therefore, I think that's going to help his game. And Harden's going to be able to – he's going to be able to take pressure off himself just because I feel like the last three postseasons, he's just died in energy. That's no excuse. You should take care of better your body. But it is what it is. You just ran out of gas at the end of the season because your usage rate is so high. And Russell Westbrook <laughs> is a guy that – He's on 110 every night. He just has the energy. Like, he just doesn't die of energy. I don't know how. I don't know what he's on, but he's just always on 100. So, with Harden, with Harden, he could just be like, all right, Westbrook, you do you. Like, you do you do your energy thing. Fourth quarter, that's what I'm really going to go off. I kind of want to see it done like how Jimmy was with the Sixers last year. Not really doing shit until the fourth quarter when it's like, all right, it's Jimmy time. So, it's like, if they could kind of get that tandem working, I think it's going to be great. And Russell Westbrook is a great defender. Not that Chris Paul is not. Chris Paul has not been on the court as much as he should be. And Chris Paul, he's aging. Don't get me wrong. Westbrook is 30, but Chris Paul is about 34. So the age. Hold on, 35. Yes, it's a huge. This is a huge. And basketball, four years is huge. And Chris Paul has never been the most athletic guy in the world. He's a great point guard. He's going to be Hall of Famer, but he's never been that athletic guy. So with Westbrook, He's going to put pressure on other point guards where they're going to be like, all right, I got to pick. Like when they play Golden State, 
he's gonna make Steph have to work, so Steph won't be able to do his thing offensively. It's all I think it's all gonna play out for them going this year in the West. And Mike D'Antoni is a horrible defensive coach. I don't think he's a winner as a coach, but I do think he's an offensive genius and juggernaut. So I know he's gonna find a way to make it work. The one thing that I am worried about, Russell Westbrook has been horrible in threes the last three years. And <laughs> the Rockets shoot threes. I do think he'll get more open threes. Now, will that help? Yeah. But we'll see. But we're going on that. I think I still think they're going to be top four. And I think if Harden could just let Westbrook do his thing first three quarters, then it's Harden time in the fourth. That's going to help his clutchness and help him in the playoffs. <laughs> you say, will he make them? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's what I'm like. At least, at least you're being real. And that's what this show is about. Like, I love Westbrook, but it's like, Every three years, sometimes I'm just like, ah, he could have just drove. But it's my guy. I live and die with Westbrook, so, you know. You got to. Real talk, though, man. Um, The way he's been shooting, he could break the, the three-point record of most missed threes by himself uh, in, in a single game. But he I do hear what you're done saying. That? <laughs> nah, I do hear what you're saying. Most of it I actually agree with. Except with James Harden being um, the next best free throw shooter. I'm sorry. Uh, that has to go to those two golden boys, Steph and Clay, the best free. Then you could swing my man. You could swing my man, um, um, James Harden into it. I mean, but don't get it twisted. The volume of free throws that he shoot per season is a lot. So if that man shoots somewhere like anywhere between eighty four and uh, I mean, uh, yeah, eighty four and like eighty six percent or something like that. Yeah, I mean he, that's ridiculous, especially for somebody who's probably shooting a hundred more free throws than anybody else. <clears throat> excuse me, anybody else in the damn league because of the way he can draw contact and his acting is just so damn good. And you know he's gonna teach Westbrook some acting too, so watch out. <laughs> I don't know Westbrook just he's not finessed enough. You you know it, listen if this duo can get it together. They'll be awesome, especially at the guard spot. I mean, I mean Westbrook, he's going to be all over you, you know. Um, James Harden, not the best defender, but does play the passing lanes a little bit better now. Uh, Westbrook in the last season has become a better passer. I tell everybody he's one of the main reasons, one of the main key recipe, uh, ingredients in the recipe for um, Paul George um, almost getting into a um, – MVP candidacy vote, he did very well. And that's because Westbrook had no problem relinquishing the ball. He had no problem just sitting there, here, you take this. You can shoot better. You could do this. I mean, there were times where, you know, he was still West, you know. I mean, he's still Russ and everything like that. But PG-13 was the one hitting those game-winning shots. And it wasn't Russ taking it, um, Russell Westbrook taking the ball up and trying to shoot a three. It was him taking the ball up and making the right pass. So with that being said, I, don't, I do believe his game will change. I don't know, everybody's hard on him about, oh, he can't teach um, an old dog new tricks. He doesn't need to learn a new trick. He just needs to perfect the ones he's already done, already learned. So that was beautifully said. That's just my opinion. Uh, I, you know, the, the criticism on Westbrook is ridiculous. I agree with you. When you have the keys to the city, what are you supposed to do? Especially when you don't have – Dynamic help. I mean, let's be real. Roberson? Before, I mean, once KD left, who he had? Roberson? You gave, you gave him Victor Oladipo, who was fat and out of shape the year he was with the Thunder. Yeah, and he left, wasn't and he became great yeah. in shape. 
Yeah, it wasn't here with the Pacers. He definitely was lazy. That was not the same Oladipo. I believe had that been the same Oladipo, you would have had uh, um, a James Harden-Westbrook kind of um, duo S because Oladipo could shoot very well, especially That's last year. a great year. defender. Very good defender. Than- Ten times better than James. That means he to play deep, but I don't know what happened that season. Um, you know, you only got Steven Adams, but he's not a scorer. You get, you got rid of um, Enos Cantor, who was a low post scorer and a great offensive rebounder. So, I mean, he really didn't have no help at all. I will say James has more help, obviously, going further in the playoffs and um, almost reaching the finals. But at some point, you do burn out. And um, I do believe this will take off a lot of the burden off of James Harden's shoulders because, you know what, um, he always has he hasn't been the best in the playoffs. So now that you have somebody who's also another alpha, who has no problem sitting there being the motor of the team, being the squirrel in the cage, making everything run, you know, um, definitely it'll make it easy or definitely easy on him. The only thing is that I'm worried about is just what was Westbrook is the little nick and knacks on the knees because of the uh, because of his play style. You know, it's not built for everybody. And I always, I've always said this to about Derrick Rose is uh, one of the main reasons he couldn't last in the NBA. He played like that, but his body just wasn't built like like Westbrook's a tall six four. Yeah, Westbrook has meat on his bones, like he has it's, muscle. Exactly. Um, I met Derrick Rose in real life. I'm actually the same height as him, which is crazy. <laughs> I was shocked. I met him in the street, actually on Fifty Seventh Street. He was he gave me a dap and everything. He's real cool, dude. And um. His, I mean, that man hop step from the three point line to the hoop. Uh, you know, not everybody made is made like that. I do believe if this duo can get it together, they will be phenomenal and they will be a team to wreck with in the playoffs. The West right now, I'm telling you, you're gonna have four teams fighting for the eighth and seventh spots with all the same record. Oh it's God, gonna it's, be- it's gonna be ridiculous. It's going to be pandemonium. Like, all 82 <laughs> games are going to matter. Like, you got to come out the gate, like, knowing what the hell we're doing because this is basically going to be like football where every game matters because once it comes down late. Mm-hmm. Ain't no more after, hey, you know, after the All-Star break push. No, you need to be pushing before the All-Star uh, break even comes. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving this right now. But there is some news. Apparently, New Orleans, I mean, excuse me, Oklahoma City Thunder wants to buy out CP3 contract. Um, that's a lot of money, but. That's a lot of freaking money to be buying out. And uh, Chris Paul is a stubborn dude. I I can see him coming away with most of that. Oh, <laughs> definitely. He's going to let that. them know. He's going to let them know, like, I'm not playing for y'all, too. Like, yeah, I know I'm not playing. Like, so. So, but what do you hear about this? The rumors is that the Lakers might pick him up. I wouldn't because I got Rondo. Mm-hmm. I like That's Rondo too. The only reason why. Go ahead. Like, I'm sorry. I like I like Rondo. Like Rondo knows who he is and who he isn't. Like Rondo knows that I'm a defender facilitator. That's what I do. And with we already seen what him, AD, and Boogie could do together. They were great in New Orleans together. So mm-hmm. I think you literally why just have you have that team and you just added LeBron. So I think that's like okay, that's gonna be great. And even though they say LeBron's gonna be playing the point. It's going to be basically two point guards with Rondo and LeBron. Rondo's going to be coming off the bench. We know that. Uh, Rondo's not starting. I can't see Rondo. And if he does start, um, 
Honestly, I don't think that's a good roster mix-up for the simple fact, yes, you have two great facilitators, but neither of them are very good shooters. And in this today's NBA, you need to shoot. People love LeBron James and says, oh, look at his two-point, you know, field goals. Uh, yeah, it's mostly layups and dunks. LeBron is not a, an assassin from deep. You know, I mean, he's, he's not, not a, an assassin from the three. He's not a, people will leave, no problem leaving him open. No, you can't. He, you can he, leave. He's he's proven it to where it's like ah I gotta defend it, where it's like you might leave him, you might leave him open for like the first quarter. Then if he hits like one, you're like, not, All right. you no, know, if he hits two, then then I'm worried. Oh, then I'm worried. But you know what? He's got to hit two pointers first, and that's one thing. LeBron, I mean, a lot of players don't. But if most shooters, they will like to take a mid range to get started, and then they start stepping back. Um, and we know Rondo, they play on defense on him like. Like Ben Simmons, they step back. So I don't know if I would necessarily want those two in a starting lineup. And we don't know how that starting lineup is going to make mix up anyway because um, the interview that was played a few days ago announcing Boogie Cousins and Danny Green, Boogie Cousins, you know, he still is not 100% healthy. He still needs to recover from the uh, quadricep tour. That's, a, you know, that's really a serious injury. Um the acquisition of Danny Green was big, though. I mean, you got a, a key marksman, and he plays good defense. So See, but the thing is, though, Danny Green, he's not – like, he's plays, he plays good defense. Even though he's not the defender that he once was, I still, think, I still think he's like, all right, that's a solid move. But yeah. I, I don't think they should get Chris Paul just because I think it'll be too much, like too much. No, stars. yeah, I agree. Too, 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 too many stars. Um, and I don't think Chris Paul's stars. a good teammate, personally. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, everywhere he goes, seems like he's a he's a locker room grenade. You know, like, it's just like nah, bro. Like yeah. you're not worth it. And, and it's not that serious. And it's crazy because, if I'm not mistaken, is he the um, the players' union president? He is. Yeah. So uh, you would think he'd be a great teammate. Like I'd want to play for be you. a little bit more professional. Sometimes I hate to say that, you know. Um, and uh, and of course he's not going to the Lakers. We remember last season the whole spat in the face from Rondo to Chris Paul, and then it was the whole thing about Rondo actually being a little mad at LeBron for taking Chris Paul's side. Like that that's his man's. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm gonna take my like I'm not fighting, but I'm gonna take my man's side like yo, Chris. Like, yeah, you know, Chris is his man's. You know, that's that's what happened there. Um, let's get back to this dynamic duo thing because I'm actually amazed that. The league went from one to super teams <laughs> now to dynamic duels. I mean, they all, they had similar dynamic duels in the 80s. You know, Elijah Wan, Samson, you know, Bird and McHale. Uh, but Kareem. But these guys, I, you know why I don't ever really consider them the super duels? Because they had great threes. James Worthy was a great third man on the Lakers. A great third man. James Worthy, I believe, once he's at like 25 points a game. James Worthy was a hell of a scorer. And if you go to Boston, Dennis Johnson was a hell of a guard. Somebody who was out of shape. <laughs> R.I.P. Dennis Johnson, though. Um, Tiny Nate Archibald before he retired. Another hell, another great point guard. Uh, Robert Parrish at that time was probably one of the best big men in the middle right there, you know. Um, so, and Danny Ainge. So, I mean, but they were more of a duo. But now the NBA is really drifted towards 
tag teams. Uh, you know, now we're going to see a lot of Scott Halls and Kevin Nash. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, it's boys. about to be the Hardy Boys, Edge Christian, all that, all over. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're bringing them back, you know. And now it's about to be the Nasty Boys everywhere. You know, we're going to have duos now. And I'm loving it, actually, because it's actually um, – It's more competitive. It's actually, yes, it's actually spreading out the talent in the NBA. Not everybody's bunched up on one team. Um, I don't ever consider – Still, Golden State a super team because they drafted everybody. I don't. I didn't consider them a super team until they got Kevin Durant. Like before I, that, I didn't. Either be, I, I you can consider them a super team on paper for the simple fact is they got him. But if you actually look how super teams are formed, they are not a super team because they weren't people talking together. Three guys coming to one team. No, they had their core already. I mean, if four people if, come, if four people fly one guy out to the Hamptons, I mean, like that. Nah, we're talking about strictly the way super teams have been forming, bro. You know, and they, you know, what I'm saying the way you know they banana boats and everything like that. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, like before they got Kevin Durant, they weren't a super team. They were naturally they were built. The only reason why I say well, on they, paper they were a super team, though. On paper, they they kind of come on, man. Before before Kevin Durant, on paper, I mean, listen, they broke. Did they not break the NBA um season record before Kevin Durant? I still didn't consider them. I just like they were really a great team. Don't get me wrong. Did the super I, team in Miami get close to that? I don't think Miami played for that though. That's the difference. Miami never played to break the record, <laughs> and they were Wade's knees. I can't play to break the record. Wade ain't Wade ain't here. Did Miami? Do, I live. I mean, did, did um Cleveland do it? When they had um Kevin Love, Kyrie, they so called big three. Yeah, but the thing, like, like the year it that the, <laughs> the year the year that Golden State won the seventy three games, or whatever, they said they're playing for it. Most teams don't play for it. They're just like, yo, we're just gonna wrestle the playoffs because they wanted to prove something. Because you know how big it is if you broke the seat. Like they wanted to do what the Bulls did, which is iconic: break the season record and win the chip. They're just like if the they did that, if they did, yeah, when they lost to the Giants, praise be to God. Um, but if they had did that, people would really be talking about okay, so who's the best team ever now? And no, honestly, Golden State is still going down as one of the best teams ever. This run, even though they didn't get a three P or anything like that, it's one of the best this, runs in this years. run that me got to see has been, yeah, it was the last time. We actually, you know, I mean, for a while, the NBA didn't really have dominance. You know, um, the only Spurs team won it every odd year. Team. That was the only team I was just about to say, I would say, that kept some dominance is the Spurs. But they didn't win back to back to back. You know what I'm saying? I don't even think they won back to back. I think they kept winning no, they, one. One, the Spurs, Spurs right? won odd years. Like all their championships are odd. That's years. what I'm saying. They didn't win consecutively, so that's what I'm saying. This um, Golden State is uh, is really the last team to win back to back since um the Lakers, I believe, probably did it with Orlando and beating Boston. Correct? Because I don't no, even believe no Miami. The Miami two titles are back to back. I thought they lost. Um, they lost the first one. One won the one. Next. One and lost again to San Antonio, then won again, right? With the no. Rays, right? No, or- they lost the first one, then they beat OK. They All lost right. to the Mavs, beat OKC, 
then they beat the Spurs, uh, and then the Spurs. I, I, I totally forget. You know, teams that get swept. I I, I forget they they they've been in the finals. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, they beat San Antonio and they beat OKC. That's right. They got the back. So that was the last team that we got to see back to back. What what years was that? You would say was that uh, twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. Yeah. So it's been a good about. This, I would say, yeah, Golden State has been since then the team has been dominant. It's the Cavs, uh, they won the they won. Uh, a lot of people say it's, you know, it, it was a package. It was a Christmas gift. Draymond Green getting suspended. Um, I mean, it happens. They were up three one. That's no not excuse. <laughs> That's no excuse. You let the team come back. I never gave the Yankees that that excuse when Boston came back and did it to them. So I'm damn sure won't give Golden State that excuse, man. You were up three to one. You choked, and it's like that's the that happens. Injuries, players getting suspended. That happens. That's not on. The, you can't blame the Cavs. It's no. like like to me, they, did like, what, they did what they were supposed to do. To do like that's what you're supposed to do. And this is why I tell a lot of people. You know, when you rewatch this series, this final series that previously passed, a lot of times I felt Toronto, Toronto really played maxed out, and still. Six games. I'm sorry. If that's Cleveland, Golden State's getting swept. That's what I believe. Even with believe LeBron, with Kyrie and Kev Love? They're getting swept. Golden State's getting swept. Getting, but that being that hurt, they're getting swept. I mean, yeah, well, well you have LeBron. Like, you have LeBron who's going to make... If that's Philly going, they're getting swept, probably. Nah, nah, nah. If that's not, you're right. Ben Simmons can't score. Yeah, that's not Philly. Point. <laughs> That's Milwaukee. They might be getting sweat. They might be four one. I don't know. I don't know. And that team. I don't know. I felt like <clears throat> a lot of people are giving Toronto Raptors a little too much credit. I want to say too much. This is Smith said. Oh, it's one man beat a team. Beat beat what team? You should be able to be a, a, a. You should be able to whoop a person ass in the street who's blind, deaf, mute, and damn it, and crippling every part of his body. You you should whoop that ass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just my opinion. I, I don't think this shouldn't even be close. But I mean, look at it like how people criticize Floyd Mayweather for ducking fights, and it's like, no, I just fight who's around. Like, but how, you know what killed me? Yeah, a lot of people say he ducked people, but he fought everybody in the division and moved exactly. up weight classes. So how exactly. is that ducking? ducking? But it's Floyd like people are going to say what they want to say. He wanted to fight people when the price was right. And whip your ass. See, a lot of, and I think hardcore, super old school, I want to say hardcore boxing fans don't understand that there's money to be made for getting hit in the head. You know, a lot of boxers, I mean, even even in the Mike Tyson era, boxers weren't, unless you was Mike Tyson on Holyfield, you wasn't making that kind of money. Floyd changed that whole game around. And a lot of people, whether it's good or bad, to me, it's good for the sport of boxing because boxers are now making more money. Now they're getting contracts. If you look at um, Canelo, he just signed that, what, 10-fight um, deal with the zone for yeah. $305 million. That's like a, he's getting a sports con, a real sports contract. He basically and, got A-Rod's contract. That's a dangerous sport, man. And I'm hoping for the day that UFC can actually get that money because these guys are putting their life on the line. Even if they don't die in the octagon or the ring, 10, 5, 20 years, 50 years later, they might not be the same. 
Some of them might, you know, might, they just might hear a busy signal all day. You know, the lights are on, but nobody's home. So I, I believe that when it comes to Floyd Mayweather, not to digress from basketball real, real too much, but uh, ducking and all that, man, that's that Max Kellerman crap, bro. Because he loves <laughs> – I remember I watched a video on YouTube. And he nah, still, I just like, – I just used – I just use that as an example to show that it's like it's you don't I I don't control the other team I do what I'm supposed to do and exactly you're weak, I'm gonna win that's I'm what so, Toronto did and that's what, and I just thought they should have did it in more fashion I expected more of a blowout like in game six they did what they were supposed to do I thought it shouldn't have been that close though. real talk the way Kyle Lowry came out busting them and the way everybody was going I expected a twenty five point blowout. I think though you the heart of Golden State you can't kind of knock them out ever like nah, you can't you can't you can't, so like, you can't I always will give you that like the heart of a champ I I'm a person that believes in the heart of a champion so it's like I believe that Curry and all of the like Curry to me is not clutch but I do believe as a team they're like yo we're not going out like this like I wouldn't say he's not no he's you know it's crazy because I actually had this conversation with a good friend of mine's and actually um to your argument I actually said Clay is more clutch than him that's that's a fact. And it's not that Curry isn't clutch. Here's the thing. He'll come up big performance-wise. That's clutch. When he had the 47-point game, what he did against Houston and Portland, where he balled out, that's clutch, right? But in times of critical need, like we need this shot, or the year they lost to the Cavs came up, like his height, short, you know, and those are the times where I can actually, see, and I agree with you uh, to a certain degree. Um, he's clutch, but not all the time in the big moments. You know what I'm saying? And when big moments come, Clay is way more clutch. So if people had to, if you had to ask me, who would I give a shot to? Three seconds left. It's Clay all day. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm setting the play for Clay. Like Steph did that version before he hurt his ACL, where he pulled up, where he was on the fast break. If he did not go down, they he was winning, and he knew it too. I, he was hyped because when I saw him go for the dunk, I was actually watching it with my girlfriend, and she saw. I said, "Oh, he he's hurt." I said, "He's going to get hurt." Bomb came down because one, he's not a dunker, but you could feel he was hyped. He was busting their ass. It was Clay. Was the reason why they were in that game. Clay was going to be Finals MVP if they won. Exactly, uh-huh. that's where I was going, and that say, believe it or not, saved a lot of flack on Steph Curry's career. Oh, Don't, did it. it? It it did because he could not go another championship without winning the Finals MVP. And I will say this though, Iguodala did not deserve the first one. Steph definitely did. I don't care what nobody says. Oh, he stopped LeBron James. LeBron averaged 29, 8, and 9. 29, 8, and 8, or some shit like that. You're not stopping a man. Oh, did you make it a little difficult? Um, um, yeah, but he everybody's going to miss a shot. Shit, Steph, man, got, got triple team. Of course he was going to miss shots. But you didn't stop that, man. You didn't stop. They stopped Steph with the triple team, you know. You can stay Fred Vlambleet did what he had to do. I can't say Gudala really shut down LeBron James. Oh no, they never. I think, I think when it comes to superstars, you don't really shut them down. He just made it difficult, and I think what also they gave it to him for is like how big he played in the he series on defense and steals. I still didn't think he deserved it. Not with those games Steph was having. 
we can go back to that series. And you know what's crazy? I actually want to do a little, um, a whole episode speaking about the Golden State. You know, that's coming soon, y'all. The fall of a dynasty. Look out for that podcast. Coming soon. The fall of a dynasty should be OKC, but I talk with no. you all there. Oh, we can talk. We man, we can we can say dynasties. We can mention a few. Man, we talk about them off the air for real. But I definitely want to talk about some few um, organizations that you know they got the Mary J. Blige in them. They going down. But that's all for another topic, though. But real quick, man, before we get out of here, man, give me your top three duos for this upcoming NBA season. Top three duos. I'm gonna go LeBron AD. I'm gonna go Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. And I am going to go Westbrook and Harden because I'm a Westbrook guy, so I have to put them in there. My heart wouldn't allow me to do otherwise. I feel that. I appreciate the honesty. It's the best policy. I really do. Um, as for me, at my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, no groupiness. Um, I'm going to go PG and Kawhi, AD and LeBron. Mitchell and Conley. That's where I'm going with. I know it was hard to, to leave out Harden and Westbrook. And um, some other mentionables worth, um, if they do happen to do something, will be Luka Doncic and Christoph Porzingis show. You know, so um, Dallas, if everything is right, you will have a little EuroLeague every few nights. Yo, everything goes right. They really are the EuroLeague playing in the NBA. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's been like that for quite some time. Uh, it's actually funny because actually my co-host, who's not a, a fan of Mark Cuban, <laughs> believes he's like the Chip Kelly of basketball. And um, sometimes, man, some of the things, I, I, I don't know, man. It's like the last, when, everybody told me, when somebody asked me, who's the last black guy you remember on Dallas Mavericks? I said Michael Finley. I said Jason Terry. Shit. Yeah. Wait, no, they had Harrison Barnes. Oh, yeah, they traded for him. We mean known, but it was like a joke. It was like, yeah, Michael Finley. <laughs> that was the last relevant one. You know what I'm saying? Um, they I had mean, good guys like Josh. Remember Josh Hamilton? Ah, I remember him. Yeah, good defender. Actually, was like an 18-point game dude. Oh, great two-way player. Played great defense. 6'8", he came around that time in the era of Josh Smith and those guys. Uh he had a little cup of coffee with Dallas. I think he had some off-the-court issues. And Mark Cuban, that's all you need is a little off-the-court issues or something. And he's not even messing with you. Nope, nope, nope. Not at all. But, folks, we love y'all. Thanks for listening. And, cuz, you going to be back on the show? Hey, man, you got my number. Hit me up. I'll be here to talk football, baseball once it gets to playoff season, and basketball, MMA, all that good jazz. You heard it, folks. So definitely, um, on the next UFC recap card, I'm going to have Cass One coming up on the show because UFC, I think, I believe 240 is going to be good, and um, we got some good fights coming soon. And um, definitely listen to the next segment because me and Cass we actually recap UFC 239. So um, stay tuned. Listen to the commercials. We'll be back and all that. Stay peace, love, and hair crease, and keep it between the sheets, yo. I need, come up with, I need to come up with one line like you. Can you write them down and send them to me? Uh, uh, for a small feet, anything is anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give you that Kevin Garnett. <laughs> Alright, man. Put that sound effect in. And we out. We out.
Yeah, back to the flying knee. Yeah, I was listening to the Ariel Halani show, and according to Ben Askren, he says he's not changing his game plan. So if you're going to fight Ben Askren, just up an X button, flying knee all day, every day, because his head is for your crotch. It doesn't make sense. Um, I knew this was going to happen. You can't be a punch it bag in a fighting sport. I, I don't understand that. I, I know he could take a punch. He could take a hit. It's all good and everything. But he went out like a statue that was falling. Like, no movement, stiff, just no, straight he went, timber. He, he went comatose. I was like, oh, that nigga dead. Then to catch two hard hammer fists to the face afterwards. And then I loved uh, what uh, Homeboy's interview after the fight where it was like, oh, do you think that was a little extra you throwing a hammer fist? He was like, why? The ref didn't stop it. You're trained that until the ref stops, you keep going. That's not on me. That's on the ref. I I disagree with that because you know what? At the end of the day, um, have some sportsmanship. Mm. Your job is to knock a man out and not kill him. Uh, I'm always for that. This is why boxing will always be called the gentleman's sport because of things like that. Because, you know, there are, you know, corners. There are rounds. There are more rules. There are tight, tighter more rules. You know, it's just the way boxing is organized where it's more of a gentleman's sport where – you know what? A lot of boxers can sit there, show love after a fight, can go. That's why they can go spar with each other and things like that and help the man out with his next camp. I just thought that was a little too much. He was knocked out stiff. I'd have left him alone. Uh, that's just my opinion. I don't, I don't think you need to go ham. You know, I'm sorry. But I feel like a humanitarian. No, you don't. I just feel like we like we see that watching the fight from the outside. But like when you're in it and that adrenaline, I throw oh, my flying knee. Yeah. Like I, I throw my flying knee. I just look on the ground and just start like your body's just training. He's on the ground, dodge, throw. Just like just throw until oh he pushed me. Yeah, now, uh, you know, it happens so quick, we may not know. But if he's saying he acknowledged that, you know, he knew he knocked his ass out, just just leave it. You know, especially after the first hit, maybe, you know, but the ref really kinda had to push him off a little a little bit <laughs> all right you know but i understand i'm not saying this wrong don't get it twisted i understand the build up this is what the octagon is for you know especially for all that shit talking okay finally we get in the ring i'm gonna whoop your ass i still want to see him fight leon leon is up there too i want to see that because you know that's unfinished business but um the way he's going right now he needs a title he needs a title shot uh... Mm, okay, I can see that. I can agree with you on that. Oh, he beat Wonder Boy. That, no, that's why. Like, I, once I said, I actually thought about it because, like, when you first said it, it sounded crazy. But now that I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jorge Masvidal is, is a he, he's on the tear. Um, there's a few guys. Um, spitting out. Let's get to the main. Let's get to the main card that happened. You can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, let's get to the main card that happened. Hello?
especially because he didn't want to take up the ground. Yo, I'm not going to lie. I didn't hear you from, you said, let's get to the main card. And then you just, like, it just cut. Oh, it just cut out, man. My yeah. Bad. Yeah, like I was saying, um, you said it was a great fight. I don't, I, I, it was okay. I thought, to be honest with you, John Jones. Oh, no, I didn't think that. Easy. I thought he had a lot of mutual, I thought, you know what I saw in the octagon? I'm going to be real, a lot of mutual respect. Yeah, I saw a lot of mutual respect. There were times where I thought John Jones could have jumped on him, got him to the ground, but chilled. Especially when we know, uh, I believe Thiago Santos' leg was messed up. That nigga so, tore everything in his knee in the first round. Like, yeah, so ACL, MCL. It could have been an easy takedown. Jones, um, and he said this too. He wanted to challenge himself, and as dangerous as it might be, when you're that confident and that good. Maybe you need to do that to keep that fire burning. Because as a fighter, when you're on top for so long, you know, as we can see with Anthony Joshua, as I stated with him versus Anthony uh, Andy Ruiz, you know, you stop training, you, you know, you lose the desire. And then next thing you know, boom, your ass is on the front page and it said TKO. So, you know, it's good to sometimes, I guess, challenge yourself to keep that, that desire, that motivation to keep burning. Um, it was okay fight. I, I still like Tiago Santos, but it'll be a while before he get back in the octagon. He might oh. need a whole new thing. He's gonna take a whole year off to get everything right. I didn't think it was a great fight. I just wanted to use that as an example of where I could say, okay, that was a good oh, fight okay. because it went like the distance. Like mm -hmm. it just it went later in rounds. Because I think for me, a great fight is that I want to see endurance. I want to see how you are when you get in your ass whooped. Like so you like uh, Mikey Garcia versus Earl Spence, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, to me, one of my favorite fights of all time is the first Silva versus Santa, Charles Santa fight. Just because Santa was winning on rounds going into that last round. Silva Which said, I was shocked because it Silva slept on him. And that's another thing where you're on top for too long. And you just, he slept and he was like, oh, shit, I'm losing this. I need to catch him or something. Catch him. Tap. <laughs> That's, that's that kill is so horrible, man. I can't stand him and Luke Rockhold, which okay. I want to get to next. Luke Rockhold, retire. That's all I've been hearing. Retire, retire, retire. He's going to have to get retired before he can no longer do photo shoots for Ralph Lauren because his jaw going to be tore the fuck up. That's the, I think they said the second fight in a row, his jaw has been broken. That that's a sign from God to just I need to stop this fight in a row. And you know what? Um, he was actually moving pretty good in the first like first half of the first round. To Blackovich caught him with that kick that wobbled him, and I knew the second round. I said, "Oh, it's a wrap." Blackovich was going to jump on him, and it's going to be over. But damn, damn, we I saw his jaw just go to the other side like the old typewriters. You know, you start clacking, 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 yeah, that's Luke Rockhold's jaw right there. That clack, that the clack, that clack, clack, ching. Murder she wrote typewriter. That's what he got as a jaw. That that shit is terrible. Uh, yeah, but that's like what I'd like describe as like good fights. Like that, even uh, um, what's fight. his name, Khabib and McConnor. Like that was a good fight. That was a very good fight. Like I like fights like that. It's like where it's like it's going because I want to see like I want you to be tested. Like oh shit, I'm hurt. What am I gonna do now? But like, that's two alphas going at it, though. And a lot of times in these fightings, and the, I mean, in these fight ma in these matches, is I mean, some of these people shouldn't even be in the ring or octagon, whatever you would um like to prefer to watch. They shouldn't be in there. Um, 
Derek Lewis, we knew shouldn't have been in there with Daniel Cormier. That's fact. a fact. I'm sorry. But then again, I don't think Daniel Cormier should ever be in a ring with John Jones. Like, Ooh, I think he's ducking that shit, bro. I'm gonna be real. He, I, I think he's ducking it. And on top of that, I think Steve Miocic is gonna be a lot different this time. I, I don't know. He's got that feeling. And hitting forty. Listen, let me tell you this. Cormier is doing great for a guy who's been fighting well in his um late thirties, man. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. He's doing I'm like. Fighters from Rampage to Rashad Evans, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, um, um, very few fighters like this guy, Anderson Silva. Even you look at guys like Chris Weidman, guys. But, who- but I think with Cormier that helps him out is that he's a wrestler, so he's not trying to do in like the striking. Really, he's like, no, we're gonna wrestle. Like, like, dude, but, but and that's the thing, man. You, it's, you know. If Derek Lewis, if really was a good fighter or at least a good grappler, that fight could have been a lot more interesting because you have two heavy men. See, that's the thing. When you're Stipe Miocic, though you may be a big guy, Cormier is like a bear. And when that bear gets on top of you, the energy it takes to stop him from hitting you and him on top of you is, you know, him and him, you know, restricting breathing. That that's a whole different ball game. Your endurance is just dropping by by the by the seconds, bro. And like you said, wrestling, man, when he gets on top, it's not much you can do. On top of that, he can fight. He can pick really well spots to take you down, except, you know, like I said, John Jones' takedown defense is excellent. Excellent for a striker. Probably the best in UFC, bro. Keep it real with you. Now, uh, when's the last time you seen somebody really take John Jones down? Uh, no one. You know? Yeah, very good fucking fighter. Um, no, John I, Jones is my favorite fighter. I, I think he's the greatest fighter in MMA history. Next ever, day, Anderson Silva. Ever. Um, yeah, he'll break if he keeps going because Anderson Silva fought way until forty five, and um, they need to they need to stop letting Anderson Silva fight. Certain fighters, yeah, because you know what? If you really care for these guys, and and Dana White needs to stop with that. Oh, I care for this guy. He should retire. Then you sign. You know. yeah, like stop the bullshit. What if they selling? You with it. You don't care for them. Chuck Liddell shouldn't have been fighting. Remember that last fight with him and Tito Ortiz? I think it was like eight months back or so. Yeah, they get the fuck out of here. Because that wasn't for the UFC. Wasn't that for like Bellator? Or something? It's the fact that, I mean, just talking in general, like, oh, guys should have an age restriction. Like, how are, the, how are you getting medically cleared for this? I treat old guys finding the octagon like old people driving. You should have to retake the test once you hit 60. That's just my yes, thing. Yes, yes. You know who's coming up, though? Is my man Israel Adesanya. And he is fighting. Wait, is that the... The Niger... Niger! Another Nigerian dude with long arms. He's the one who fought Kevin Gaslam. They went distance. And doesn't he have, like, the interim belt or something like that? Or am I yeah. thinking of... Yeah. No, he did because he beat... Um... Because he was the one that had, like, the little Twitter beef with John Jones. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yep. They still going to John Jones said he's lighting the ass. Yeah. See, John Jones to me is that one person where it's like, I don't want to piss him off before a fight. Like, basically what he did to Santos, I want that mutual respect when we in the octagon. Because I've seen... I don't want that ass whooping like you did to Gustafsson or no. Like, I've seen when he's like, nah, fuck you. I'm going to kill you. It's just like, nope, this is not fun. This is... It's over. Yeah, this ass whooping is real. Um, And I feel like... Oh, my fault. Go ahead, Cuz. Nah, I was going to say, I feel like John Jones is just one of those people where it's just like, I don't push that button with him. Like, Cormier tried it, you saw it happen. Like, you just don't push that button with him. It's just like, yo, I'm going to chill. No respect for each other. They hate each other. That is not a fucking script. That shit is real. 
my favorite, the best interview ever in MMA history is when they were, it was for the, it was for Cormier and Jones one. They were on Sports Center. I'll never forget it because they showed like, they showed the clip of them recording off air. And I remember it was just Cormier like talking shit to Jones or whatever. They're going back and forth. And then Cormier says something like, I don't even respect you. Like, I'll spit on you. And then you just saw John Joe's face go from laughing to like, no, no, seriously. Like, I will kill you if you spit on me. Like, like, screw this fight. Like, if you spit on me ever in life, I will kill you with my bare hands. And like, I looked in John Jones' face and I was like, I'm scared. Like, I was scared for Cormier. Yeah, he because he, he's so humble and quiet about it. Uh, my favorite is when he beat him the second time, man. Cormier was just crying like a little fat baby. That shit had me dying. Cormier did a full 360 in the ring. I was like, you can't do a 360 and expect to win. Yo, no, that done. punch had me rolling. He was trying to hold on to the gate, but he couldn't grip it. You could see his hands looking for the gate. I was, oh, man, one of the <laughs> Like this, uh, and the thing with John Jones, I feel like if you're gonna, if you, die now. I feel like any, like if you have to beat John Jones, I think your best chance. I think Gustav had the best chance in their first fight. Like after that, I don't think, I don't think nothing else is gonna come close. I think that was the best chance you had. Where it's like you might do it. Like if the, the if you wanted to do it on cards, you might get the decision. But after that, because I think I don't think you could beat Jones on a decision, just because. I look at it like how I look at Mayweather when he fights in Vegas. You're never going to beat him on cards. You have to knock him out. So for, you, so for you to beat Jones, I got to knock him out or make him submit. So that means I don't know how. But since I do think the best part of his game is obviously his stand-up and his striking. So if I'm in there, I got to somehow get this to the ground. That's my only goal. Like That's I'm only, only goal. Yeah. I'm, I'm only winning if I get this to the ground. Like I'm not staying up. Like y'all gonna hate me if you try to stand this up because I'm gonna be running until we get to the ground. Like I'm not going hands with this guy. Like I would I probably wouldn't throw a punch. I'd just like we're just going to the ground. Like we're hugging, wrestling this whole time. Yeah, like, somebody, one of us is gonna get tired. Yeah, like shoot. It's one gonna happen. But yo, Kazo. Yep. When you coming back on, oh, man, this this has been good, man. I finally had somebody talk some real MMA talk, man. When you come back on, oh, man. Hey, man, you got my number. You know where to get a hold of me. Hey, folks, remember, talks with the Brodies. Brodies. Please, please check it out. Check us out, out on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Say that again. Stitcher's new, right? Because now yeah. you're doing Stitcher. Yeah. You, you can check them out. And please don't forget, always drop a line, a thin line between sports and hate. You can check us now. Check us out now on Facebook at, at Charlie Brown. Check us out. Thin line between sports and hate. That's Charlie with an E-Y Brown at Facebook. And don't forget the Instagram and the Twitter. Please show your love and tell us what you want to hear about, what you like, what you dislike. I always love the feedback. And, um, Please stay blessed, man. And a word of wise for the people before you outcast. Check out the Brodies. Check us out. We just had our 25th episode on insecurities, so make sure to check us out. We talked about some pretty some pretty hard-hitting stuff that I think all men need to hear. Check it out, y'all. I damn sure will. I'll even drop a trail on the page. When we out, love, peace, and hair grease, and keep it between the sheets. One <laughs> That's hilarious. Later, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you can... Ah! <laughs>